0: praying that you'll be really blessed and that God will speak into your heart as we take this journey together. So please go ahead and hit the subscribe button to keep updated with the very latest sauntering podcasts. So here we go. We're in Luke chapter 9 today and we remember we started off yesterday and we stopped halfway through and with the paragraph where Jesus is talking about unless you take up your cross and follow me this is the deal he's saying if anyone would come after me let him deny himself take up his cross and follow me daily oh man daily take up your cross so this is a pretty challenging provocative statement of Jesus good morning Fran and uh, so (laughs) let's move on so where, where we get to we'll get to I think we've finished this chapter today. So he says, now about eight days after these sayings, were are in um, verse 28. Eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered and his clothing became dazzling white. And, <clears throat> and behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Wow. Let's just pause for a second. So Jesus, there's been a little gap of a a few days, eight days. Good morning, Rosemary. And now he's taken Peter, John, and James, and he's gone up to the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, this this is such a profound statement, as he was praying... The appearance of his face was altered. Wow. Paul says in Corinthians, he says, we, as we behold his glory, as we look at him and gaze on him, we're changed. We're transformed into his likeness. This very thing, Jesus was not sinful. He did he was he never needed to be regenerated in his heart. He always had a pure heart towards God. But there's this, still this, as he has this encounter with his Father in heaven, in private, in on the mountaintop, in prayer, in an extended period of prayer, his face is changed. Now I've seen how God's glory changes people when it comes on them and they become radiant. But this is another level of radiant. This is like he Jesus himself is transformed by gazing on the father by looking by setting his heart on unseen things if you like it changed it now begins to the unseen realm begins to impact the seen realm and Jesus is visibly changed so as he was praying the appearance of his face was altered and I want to just say to you and myself this morning let us pray until the appearance of our face is altered. I'm going to say that again because I like the sound of that. Let us pray until the appearance of our face is altered. Let's gaze on him, be changed into his likeness. Let's bring the glory of heaven into the realm of mortals on the earth. Wow. And his clothing became dazzling white. When it says that there, what it, it's actually the Greek word implies flashing of lightning. It's kind of that that level of brightness. It's not just a kind of nice white crisp clean shirt type of brightness. This is the dazzling. I mean we had a lightning storm a few days ago. Beautiful. I mean right across the sky and everything the brightness of it turns everything around into silhouettes doesn't it and it kind of like takes on this slightly purpley black and white photo look and it's incredible the contrast that the lightning brings in the sky And, and and this is what's going on Jesus is literally transformed in that kind of way he's literally crackling with supernatural energy and light and you got to imagine the disciples hair standing on end and they're just like Whoa, what is going on here and uh so then these two men appear moses and elijah and they appear in glory as well so they're glorious they've got they're carrying with them the the glory of heaven where they now dwell and hang out that's that's their environment they're not strangers to jesus Jesus knows them because he's God. He's the one who spoke to Moses from the burning bush, don't forget. And he's the one who spoke to Elijah in the still small voice. He knows these guys. These are not just some scallywags from history, like appearing in some weird mystical way. These are Jesus's friends. These are people he's walked with, he's personally known. He's nursed through depression and brought them out the other side. Ah, oh, man, this is so cool. And so he says, uh, they, they're they're talking to him about his departure, which is shortly to be accomplished in Jerusalem. verse thirty two. So they know about it. The disciples are still playing catch up, obviously. Um, Now, Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep. And I know it's easy to be critical of the disciples. Maybe they were tired or whatever. But there is something as well. Like when God appears to Abraham in the Old Testament, he falls into a deep sleep. And I think there is some kind of thing, something about the supernatural heavy presence of god that can almost compress us into this place of heavy sleep and that's not to excuse falling asleep in prayer meetings i've done that i've even fallen asleep standing up i think i hold the record for falling asleep standing up um you just lean your head against the wall (laughs) shut your eyes and that's how you do it anyway not that you need these skills in normal life and so they they were heavy with sleep but when they became fully awake they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him again just read that again somebody read that again when they were fully awake when they became fully awake they saw his glory come on there are so many christians who are asleep in the realm of the spirit and they're asleep to God and his majesty and his glory and he wants us to be fully awake he wants to be us to be fully awake so that we can see his glory that we can see the opportunities and the potential and the adventures and everything else that he's put in front of us not we're asleep and missing the whole show But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. And as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we're here. He's he's in it now. He's in the moment now. He says, let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. He's kind of reacting. He thinks, oh, don't let this moment stop. Don't let... I really wish tonight could last forever kind of thing. Let's keep this... Let's treasure this Let's keep this moment. Let's extend it as long as we possibly can. There's, that's a great instinct, that we want to stay in the place of glory. We don't want to come back into a uh, normal life. We want to stay in that place. But... um. Peter says to Jesus let us make three tents one for you one for Moses and one for Elijah not knowing what he said and as he was saying these things a cloud came and overshadowed them and they were afraid as they entered the cloud and a voice came out of the cloud saying this is my son my chosen one listen to him or some some manuscripts say my beloved one listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone and they kept silent and told no one in those days anything of what they had seen. Wow, that is such a treat, such a privilege. Can you imagine being one of those guys walking down the, hill, the mountaintop? Do you think they said much at all? Do you think they were pumping Jesus? Oh, that was so cool. Tell us about Moses. Tell us about Elijah. Or do you think they were just like, stunned into silence i i i don't know i would be one of the two i'd be either talking inappropriately much and just shut up or or i'd be like completely silent completely stunned by the whole thing i'm gonna have a little sip of coffee excuse me and when so just one reflection on that On the top of the mountain, we talk about summit meetings, don't we? And that's a thing in politics and in business and so on. We have the top, top leaders. This is a summit meeting of the most incredible status. This is Jesus, God's chosen one, the anointed one, the Messiah, his beloved son. And he is on the top of this mountain. It's figurative. In a sense, it's, it's symbolic, but it's a real moment in time. He, the mountain has got its head up in the clouds and up there in the clouds where heaven literally physically touches earth. there There is the son of God, but he's and he's communing with his father. And the, this is the Godhead thing going on there with Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But he wants human beings present. I know Jesus is a human being. And now the son is a human in this story he's appeared as a human being he's on the earth but there is something about God wanting his human being friends there with him in the council of God and I think if we could understand something about the council of God it confers such incredible dignity onto people I was just reflecting this morning Jesus when God god's plan to save the universe and the human race and everything else did not involve him becoming a dolphin or an elephant or some higher mammal with a very large brain or you know he became a human being scientists are quite dismissive of the idea of what we could call an, an uh, uh, anthropocentric Universe, which is all centered around mankind, human beings, but actually, there is something so important in God's thinking that He put a man in the garden to steward creation, He put human beings on the earth to take care of it. And there is something so precious about God's the way God values His relationship with His friends that Jesus would take these guys. These human beings, he's seen all their flaws, he knows Peter snores and he knows he says dumb things and all the rest of it, takes him up the mountain but there also are two more of his friends, Moses and Elijah, and they have this meeting where they discuss the deep mysteries and purposes and intentions of God and they discuss God's master plan for salvation. This is such a moment, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. 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 And anyway, so verse 37, on the next day, when they had come down the mountain, a great crowd met him. So just like when Moses came down the mountain from receiving the Ten Commandments, there was a great crowd at the bottom and things had gone wrong. This great crowd at the bottom of the mountain, it hasn't gone wrong in the same way, but it kind of has And it says, verse 38, And behold, a man from the crowd cried out, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only child. Good morning, Hazel, and good morning, Claire. He's my only child, and behold, a spirit seizes him, and he suddenly cries out. It convulses him so that he foams at the mouth, and shatters him, and will hardly leave him. And I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. So this poor guy, he's there and he's got his son who is afflicted by a horrible demon that throws him into seizures, and he froths at the mouth. And it, it uh, this, this word here is so, is so much comes from the heart of a father who is um, just desperate to see his son free. He said it shatters him and will hardly leave him he's broken by this his whole life is in tatters in pieces because this thing will not leave him alone and i begged your disciples so right in in verse one of chapter nine jesus called the twelve together and gave them we read this yesterday gave them power and authority over all demons so we should say the word all let's just say it together gave us power over all demons right comes down the mountain there's a demon afflicting this boy and the disciples who have authority over all demons can't get the sucker out now why is that what is going on so i begged your disciples verse 40 to cast it out but they could not and jesus answered oh faithless and twisted generation how long am i to be with you and bear with you bring your son here While he was coming, the demon threw him to the ground and convulsed him. But Jesus, look at Jesus, he's our guy. um, But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the boy and gave him back to his father. And they were all astonished at the majesty of God. All's well that ends well. Jesus is... Appears to be a little frustrated. Good morning, Paul. Good to see you. He appears to be a little annoyed, doesn't he? He says, Oh, man, how long am I to be with you and bear with you? He says, Faithless and twisted generation. Is he slagging off his disciples who he's just chosen, these 12 apostles, the remaining ones at the bottom of the mountain? Or is he just frustrated with how long it takes us to get there? Even though, so. Even though he's given them authority over all demons, when push comes to shove, there's still a demon that they can't get out. (coughs) Excuse me. And so Jesus appears impatient. In one of the accounts later on, they ask him, why couldn't we get that demon out? And Jesus said, oh, that one, that, that sort only come out by prayer. And some translations say, and fasting. We don't I don't understand it. I'm just going to say I don't understand it, but I do believe that God has given me all authority over demons. I still think there are times when I've been confronted with a demonic spirit that I've not been able to dislodge for some reason or other. I don't know whether that fault is on my part or on the. there's something about the individual maybe hanging on to the thing they've become used to. It defines them, perhaps gets them... I don't know some benefit or something like that I just believe that Jesus has given us that authority And that they, this twisted thing It's like there's still something about human nature That is out of alignment with the heart of God And the more like, we get in those moments like Jesus did Where he's transformed as he looks on the glory of his father The more we allow him to shape us The less twisted we become, the more like Jesus we become, and the more we will walk clearly in that authority. And I think the more, the less I'm serving myself and the more I'm actually serving him, the one who sent me, then that authority and that flow of authority increases. But while I'm serving myself, my authority is mingled and muted because there's still another agenda going on which god wants out so anyway that's another thing to think about and you could talk about that at length but while they were all marveling at everything he was doing jesus said to his disciples let these words sink into your ears all right he's having another private word to his disciples having been up on the mountain and kind of conversed with moses and elijah and they understand the purpose of god and the plan of god which involves jesus being crucified he says let these words verse 44 sink into your ears the son of man is about to be delivered into the hands of men this is coming up guys this is soon but they did not understand his saying and it was concealed from them so that they might not perceive it and they were afraid to ask him about this saying and there is some sometimes again there's something about the the um the way god works That he still keeps things hidden until a particular time. And then he brings that revelation and we understand it. And sometimes the whole church across the globe seems to get a truth at a similar time in history. It's like this is the time now when God's revealing this truth and we're getting it, which is really, really cool. Um, But these guys couldn't see what was going on. An argument arose among them as to which of them was the greatest But Jesus, knowing the reasoning of their hearts, took a child and put him by his side and said to them, Whoever receives this child in my name, receives me. And whoever receives him, sorry, whoever receives me, receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you is also the one who is great. These guys, they're great. They've done really well. They've been out and they've done all these miracles and they've seen all these things. And Herod the Tetrarch has got to hear about it. So they've really created a stir And James and John and Peter have seen this incredible thing on the mountain. But back down on terra firma, if you like, down in the valley where the people are, there's some disconnect still going on with the disciples. So we understand that they're not perfect yet. Even though they've been called to be apostles, they're not perfect. If anyone is looking at an apostle and saying he or she is not perfect, well, of course they're not. Look at these apostles. They're not perfect. They're still arguing about who's the greatest. And don't we still do that? Even in our minds, there's a little background conversation that we don't really want to admit to about, well, you know, they're not so good as me, maybe, or whatever. And Jesus says, look, stop it. Because actually, it's not about how great you are, but it's about how much like a child you are. And if you receive a child, you're receiving me. Let's get off our pedestals, let's get off our status symbols and our great me, this look at me, haven't I done really, really well? And let's get down on our knees and talk to the kids. Right, when you greet a child, do you stand up in the air and look down on the child so you can see the top of their head, or do you get down? Give them eye contact. Can you imagine what it's like to be a child and all you see is up people's hairy noses? Get down on their level. Have a communi- have a conversation where they are the your fill your field of vision where their face and they can see your face and they can see the eyes. That's what they're interested in. What's going on in your eyes cause they can tell if you're a good or a bad <laughs> Verse forty nine And John answered, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name and we tried to stop him because he does not follow with us. But Jesus said to him, do not stop him for the one who is not against you is for you. So again, they're trying to get in control of all the people preaching and doing the stuff. And Jesus says, leave him alone. If he's not against you, he's for you. And we need to understand that, don't we? That actually, the church down the road that maybe does things slightly different have some funny little traditions and rituals and whatnot. They're following Jesus. They're not against us. They're for us. Let's love them, bless them, cheer them on and do what we can to help them and support them and so on. Verse 51. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem uh, so that he's made up his mind. He's not unflinching in that resolve now. And he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him because his face was set towards Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? <laughs> <laughs> but he turned and rebuked them and they went on to another village Um, in my Margin. There is a marginal reading which is left out in in some translations. It says, "You do not know what manner of spirit you are of, for the Son of Man came not to destroy people's lives but to save them." So, that's a disputed um bit, you may or may not. Do you know what I mean? It's in some manuscripts and not in others. But the point is this: that they were speaking of a different spirit. They weren't speaking from the Holy Spirit. And Jesus rebukes him anyway. It's the same kind of thing when Peter says, oh, no, 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 Lord, you're not going to go and die and all the rest of it. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Jesus is trying to... He's not got long. He can't be over fancy about how he communicates with his disciples. So there are times when he says, no, guys, stop it. Not okay, all right? And he's not trying to spare their feelings. He's trying to make disciples. Right, as they were going along, But let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plough and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. These are pretty tough, uncompromising statements from Jesus that can make him seem a little little bit harsh, a little bit blunt. But he is very, very focused in this moment now. He set his face. He has his objective in sight and that is to go to the cross and he is not trying to bring as many people along with him as he possibly can to make it cosy and friendly. He is saying, listen, guys, this is a tough gig. If you want to come with me, you're going to have to make some sacrifices. It's going to cost you something. It probably will cost you some relationships. Settle that now, and let's get going. Let's get down to business. Don't wait around for something to happen, like someone to die so you can bury them just that's just nuts like let's do it now and you know what i've heard so many procrastinating christians in my life it is no wonder we have not achieved more as the church in britain and it's time to stop procrastinating my brother sent a meme the other day and it was um a book about how to stop procrastinating and he put underneath it i've been meaning to read this for ages (laughs) and you know what we are so good at procrastinating and coming up with all the good reasons and they sound kind of spiritual but actually do you know what they're a hindrance and they jesus will um rebuke those kind of statements when he here he goes he's saying as for you go and proclaim the kingdom of god lord jesus challenge us let your word be that two-edged sword that divides the thoughts and intentions of our hearts and cuts through the excuses and the nonsense that we come out with and let us be filled with your spirit today and lord let us be those people who gaze on your beauty and are transformed changed into your likeness day by day by day in your beautiful name jesus good to see you paul yeah the birds are gorgeous aren't they have an amazing day everyone take care I am super excited to be able to recommend to you my book, The Christing. It's a whole adventure of digging deep into the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, exploring stories that may be familiar to us, but just seeing how the power and the beautiful, rich treasure of the Holy Spirit is there on every single page. And my desire as I share my own stories is that we would get caught up in that adventure together of a life pursuing the supernatural God where anything becomes possible when we're full of his Holy Spirit. And so my prayer for you as you read this book is that you'll get excited to embark on your own voyage of discovery with him. But more than anything else, that you would fall more in love with Jesus. So please, if you have not got a copy, do buy one. You can get it online on all the major um, online bookstores, including Amazon, and Eden and others. You can buy it from Christian bookshops. Or you can message me and get your own signed copy. There you go. But do like it and review it because that really, really does help. Thank you so much.